All right. Um, thank you, youth, for worshiping. I heard you guys. I was in front of you. It's awesome. Um, so thank you, guys. Um, so Bruce, uh, we did not coordinate this. I think I'm a little hot if you want to turn me down and get some feedback action. But um, we did not coordinate this. But um, my, my opening to my sermon is on the fact that the last two years have been hard, have they not? They have. Collectively, as a society, we have suffered. Whether you have personally or not, we have suffered as a society um, collectively. And we have experienced profound, uh, some of us profound loss over the last two years, 2020 and 2021. Uh, we have experienced loneliness. Um, 10,000 people were surveyed by Cigna, um, the healthcare provider, um, last year about loneliness. And I give them an 80-point scale to rate loneliness and figure out uh, whether they were lonely. And what came back after that 10,000-person survey is that three out of five Americans currently is experiencing a deep sense of loneliness. We are lonely over the last two years. Um, we have uh, entered a time of just like exhaustion, maybe is a way to call it exhausted with all of the junk having to deal with the pandemic. No matter what you think about it, we are exhausted with having to deal with it, are we not? Yes, we are. I'm tired of it. We all are. And uh, we, uh, if we were to sum up the last two years uh, as a society, maybe we would sum it up as difficult or uh, the word I thought of this morning is stagnant. I don't know, you know, I was talking to Fernando this morning. I'm not sure if in any way over the last two years we can feel like we've moved forward in life in a lot of ways. It's almost felt like we've stood still over the last two years. Um, Google, every year they come out with a video where they, they recap some of the most popular searches over the last uh, two years, or over the last year, and their video for this year I thought was really fitting. And so if you want to roll that video for us. This year has been extremely challenging for me. I am broken. And I am healing. I'm here at the memorial wall. I wanted to do something to remember my mom. For some reason, I'm having anxiety. Obviously, it's normal with everything that's going on right now. I think I'm going to take a break for a while can get through it and if you can get through it there's a greater reward on the other side just like anybody else you know i'm just trying to do my little part to try and save my community Ta -da. i'm just really excited we're back open and i am smiling under my mask incredible scenes of the day the fans came back welcome back to the theater you guys it's been so yourself in the mirror and you're just like there I am be your best never ever ever stop dreaming I don't care what they tell you we the jury in the above entitled matter as to count three find the defendant guilty I am proud to be angels we are not drowning we are fighting we cannot keep quiet about climate injustice no action is too small. We just have to band together as a community and get people's lives back. 
even as we grieved, we grew, that even as we hurt, we hoped, that even as we tired, we tried, that we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Okay, so, um, I mean, the video is encouraging in some ways, uh, but it's interesting that even though they're trying to put an encouraging spin on it, what can we see throughout all of that? It's difficult. It's a fight. Over the last year, it's been a fight in one way or another. And over the last two years, really. And, and uh, I'm not here to talk about society at large. I want to talk about our church. Because I think over the last two years, uh, things have been difficult for us as a church as well. Uh, we have lived in isolation from one another in one way or another. Uh, we have, some of us, left community uh, left gospel-centered community. We may show up on Sundays, but we're not in rich gospel-centered community with others. Uh, we have fallen on practicing spiritual disciplines and drawing close to the Lord. We uh, once were maybe a, a beacon for the gospel in our workplace, and now we work from home. So how do you go about doing that? Um, or, you know, we just, how, how do we move forward in all of this? What do we do? And, I, and I'm not I'm not wanting to beat up on, on us at all. I'm just wanting to acknowledge the situation of where we are, uh, acknowledge reality that uh, things are different in a sense. And uh, we have fallen from what I feel like God desires for his church over the last two years. And I, I know I'm not alone in that. I know we all kind of collectively see it. We all know there's something to a degree missing in the church. And so uh, we, as, as a staff, recognize this, and we've been recognizing this over the last two years. And um, going into 2022, beginning in October, as a staff, we began asking the question of what is God calling us into as a church in 2022? What's the different thing? If there is anything different, what are we supposed to step into um, and move forward with? And what would be the, the, the idea that might change things? What does God want us to do? And so when we were at the Right Now Media Conference, which we go to every year in November, so we were there this, uh, this November, Cliff, Dan, and I really felt like the Lord spoke very clearly to us about something that he desires for this church moving forward in 2022 and beyond. And uh, we began praying and, and asking the Lord about it and just thinking about it. And then we brought it to the deacons and talked to them about it. And uh, we've decided that we are going to move forward with this idea. And you might see on the screens behind me, uh, it, is, it is a really simple idea. And this is it. It is with. Uh, with. Uh, we think that at moving forward, the, the collective healing, the collective moving forward, the collective next step for us as a church is this word, with, um, that we are to focus on being with God, with others, and live with a mission. And we think this so much that we have kind of sculpted a mission statement that we want to carry forward as a church um, together. And so this is going to be the statement that kind of shapes much of what we do. We're going to analyze uh, much of what we do moving forward based on this. And as FBCH shares a passion to build relationships with God, community with others, and live with a mission to reach the world for Christ. It's very simple, but it's all centered on with God, with others, and with a mission. 
So I say all that to say this morning, my sermon is going to be a little unique compared to normal because um, it's not going to do, it's not going to be what we normally have. I, I like to preach expositorily where we take a passage and we just totally unpack it and we talk about it. But this morning, I, I want us to talk about this idea of being with God, with others, and with a mission. And we're going to be unpacking that through Matthew chapter 28. So if you will open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it's a familiar passage. I am sure of it. Um, I think I have preached on this at least twice at this church already. Um, so we, we talk about this passage quite a bit. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It will be on the screen if you don't have it on you. And the Lord says this to us in his word. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we um, just ask this morning that you help us to understand this idea of with. A common word, something that we use in our language all the time without even realizing it. And yet, when it comes to being with you, with each other, and living with a mission, I think we often fail to realize the deep meaning. And so, Lord, as we unpack your word and unpack this uh, next step as a church, I ask that you um, excite our hearts to what you're doing. And Lord, if there's anything that I need to say, that I say it. And if there's anything you want me to not say, that you refrain, you keep me from saying it, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my three points for you, you could probably guess what they are. Um, it's with God, with others, and with a mission. These three ideas. And um, with God first is that Jesus, you can see in our passage, Jesus says, behold, the last verse, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Christ and his disciples is who he's talking to. You are his disciple if you're a follower of Christ. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross and his death and resurrection, you are a disciple of Jesus. And what he's communicating here is that all authority in, in everything has been given to him and there is no place under his authority where he will abandon his disciples. No matter how dark or bleak the circumstances might be, um, he will always be there. And on top of that, he says, even to the end of the age, there is no amount of time that will make his presence erode from us. He will be with his disciples to the very end of all days. Time will cease and Jesus will be with his own. And this is shown by the fact that he doesn't, he's not physically with us. Instead, he takes his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and puts it within you. He is with you. And we know this, but um, I think so many of us, we know that God is with us, but yet we struggle with the idea of living with God. He's with us, but we struggle with the idea of living with him. Um, we're so busy oftentimes living um, from God or for God that we miss living with him. And let me explain. 
So living from God or for God. We'll just take a minute to unpack something here. So Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 15 that, that kind of sounds a lot like a, a soap opera, Right? that there's a young man who's a son of a father who he wants to live a wild lifestyle and he thinks that his father's rules and, and lifestyle are getting in the way of that. And so he wants to take his inheritance, half of his father's estate, and, and go move away to a foreign land and go live uh, the lifestyle that he has always wanted to live, uh, promiscuous, uh, licentious, whatever he wants to do. He wants to take half of uh, his father's estate and for his father to bankroll the lifestyle that he desires. Um, so we are familiar with this story. We call it the story of the prodigal son. You've heard it, right? Yes. Let's give some head nods. You've heard this, right? Um, but the funny thing is, it's often called the story of the prodigal son, but that's really, truthfully, hopefully, your, your Bible doesn't entitle it as that. Um, throughout history, it's actually been referred to as the story of the two sons. Um, and we've called it, the, in popular Christianity, of the last few hundred years, we've called it the story of the prodigal son, but uh, the story of the two sons, because it's really about two sons and their interaction with the father, and they represent um, two ways that Christians commonly interact with God. It's the relationship between um, us and God for so many people. The first son is the jerk who tells his father that he doesn't want uh, his father, but he wants his inheritance, and so he represents life from God, um, the younger son's not interested in a relationship with his father, but is only interested in what his father can give him. And in this case, it's wealth, right? And, and the lifestyle that he desires. And so many Christians relate to God in a similar way. They're not interested in God himself, but they're only interested in God for what he can give them. And so uh, this is the, the place that a lot of Christians are in. And the, here's the thing. Asking God for things and, and God providing things to you is not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing in and of itself. In fact, God encourages us to come to him with our desires, to pray and ask him for things that we desire. But life from God is different. Life from God is not good because it sees God simply as a means to an end. There's no desire to be with God, but just to receive what he can provide for us. And a lot of popular Christianity is built upon this idea. If you just come to Jesus, then he's going to fix your marriage. If you just come to Jesus, he's going to fix your financial situation. If you just come to Jesus, you're going to be a better parent. If you just come to Jesus, this thing that's going on in your family will be fixed. Um, he'll fix your body. He'll fix so many different things in your life. If you just come to Jesus, then you'll receive this. And it's created this idea, which has been pushed by um, sad to say, a lot of mega churches and a lot of popular Christianity in our society today. And it has created uh, Christian consumerism that we want Jesus only for what he can give us. But the truth is that this isn't Christianity at all, is it? Because it's not built upon the relationship with God, but instead that Christianity is built on um, your desires and what God can give you. It's it's built upon you. And so uh, we, the people in this room, I hope you understand that this isn't what God has called us into. Um, and so what's the solution to that? Well, unfortunately, what a lot of churches in, in the modern era have done is they've swung the pendulum in the opposite direction and they swung it too far. And so unfortunately, the solution by a lot of churches is just as flawed as life from God. 
and it's represented by the second son in the story of the prodigal son. I hope you're familiar with it because we're not going to dive into it in depth today and read it, but um, I encourage you to read Luke chapter 15. I do this to the youth all the time. I bring up a passage, and I'm like, hey, I tell you what, there's a homework assignment. Go read it. Um, But you see, uh, the older son in our story was the good one who never left his father. In fact, he, he brags about the fact that um, I've done everything you've ever commanded me to do. I've never disobeyed you. Um, the older son, however, was just as lost as the younger son because the older son represents someone living life not, uh, not from God, but instead living life for God. Life for God recognizes, um, contrary to life from God, life for God recognizes that we're not the center of the universe, which is true. We are not the center of the universe. You're not the center of the universe. But instead of seeking to fill the void in the center of the universe with God, and instead seeks to fill it with something else, and that is mission and activism for God. So all of the Christian life is, is built on and founded in this idea of what are you doing for God? It's all about mission. It's all about whether you're doing this or if you're a lazy Christian. If you're doing this or, or if you're not doing it, then you're not a true Christian or whatever. And, and um, it's all about what we're doing for God. While life from God is all about getting something from God, life for God is all about doing things for him. And you might think, well, what's the problem with that? Aren't we called to live in obedience to God and, and live on mission? Yes, we are, Right? But the problem is just like the previous posture. When it becomes the entirety of how we uh, live our relationship to God, then it's misfounded. The person living for God could be just as lost as the person selfishly living from God. Whether we're living from God or for God, I know that's confusing, but whether we're living from God or for God, the focus of our relationship is on what we're getting or what we're giving. In short, it's focused on ourselves. And so the older son in the story was fixated on what he could do for his father and the reward that he would receive in return. That's what it was all centered on. And I think a lot of us live our lives this way, that we think that it's all about if we do these things for God, it's all about as long as I'm active for God, as, as long as I'm doing the things that he's called me to do, then I'll be okay. Um, but the story, when Jesus brings up the father at the end in his interaction with the older son, the story takes a turn when you see the father's response. Because the father tells him what's most important to him in Luke 15, 31 and 32, and I'll read it to you. The father says to the son, son, you are with me always, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. What mattered most to the father was not the younger son's disobedience or the older son's obedience. What mattered most to the father was their presence. That's what he desired. He wanted to be with his sons. The same is the case for a heavenly father. And this is what life from God or for God fails to realize is that what matters most is not our obedience or disobedience. What matters is our presence. Are we living life with God? Because let, let me tell you something. 
if you're living life with God, you will be doing the right things. That's how it works, not the other way around. So this doesn't mean we throw out living missionally or throw out being in obedience to the Lord. And this doesn't mean that we throw out the idea of praying and asking God for things in our lives. But what it does mean is that the basis and the starting point of the Christian life is life with God. That's what it's built upon. He's everything we seek. He's our supreme treasure. He's everything we desire in life. This is the starting place. And if we move on to living missionally or living with others, if we move on to those other things apart from living with God, then we miss it all together. Because you can live missionally or you can live in community with his people, but if you're not living with God, then what's it for? And so this is the starting point. And really, truly, um, it, it, it's silly for us to think we could live any other way because it's God who graciously sustains us and provides us with the ability to walk in obedience to him in the first place. Um, and, and the big thing is God doesn't want your begrudging obedience, right? God doesn't want that. He desires your joyful delight in him as, uh, as your supreme treasure in life. And as you do, joyfully delight in him, life with him, then you'll walk in obedience. You'll walk in mission. So we are saved for life with God. And we'll be unpacking this idea a lot over the next year and beyond. Um, but what does it mean to live life with God? Now, how do we do that? How do we live life with God? Some of the youth on the front falling asleep. Um, it's the thing about me. I actually know your names. I could call you out. Um, what does it mean to live life with God? Well, I think over the next year as we unpack this, it's going to take a little bit of collective. Um, it's going to take a little bit of collective reworking of the way we think about God, um, and and reshaping our minds and living life for or from God, and uh, figuring out how to live life with God. But one really really good place to start, and I would encourage you in this if you're not already doing so, is through spiritual disciplines. This is where we start. Spiritual disciplines, practices, they're called means of grace. There's a lot of things that they're called, but these are things like reading your Bible, praying, meditating on scripture, fasting, practicing silence and solitude. Uh, one that we could probably all benefit from. I bet you don't practice silence and solitude as much as you need to, um, especially you guys down here. Um, but yes, uh, practicing silence and solitude, being involved in a small group. There's actually over 70 spiritual disciplines that are brought up in the Bible, um, all of which would help us grow in life with God. And uh, I think they would be a very good thing to unpack over the next year. But here's the thing, when properly practiced, spiritual disciplines, when properly practiced, the agenda for them is to simply be with and know God more. Not to fix something or change something or, or do anything in particular. It's just to be with God. We don't read uh, our Bible. This is a big, I know I'm not alone in this. You do like a Bible and a, a year plan. I love those, right? But then it becomes this thing of like conquering the Bible. And so now I'm going to read the Bible in a year, by golly. I'm going to get through it. And so now it turns from reading by the Bible to know God more to reading the Bible so that I can read the Bible and get through it. 
It's kind of a silly thing. Um, or uh, so many spiritual disciplines can become something other than what they are. Or we, the goal in them is to get something from God rather than, than just to be with him. And so we are going to spend the next year emphasizing and encouraging you to practice spiritual disciplines and to do so to simply be with God. And um, one really interesting thing about it is that everyone benefits from different spiritual disciplines. There's common spiritual disciplines that we can all practice to grow in the Lord, but um, what, what being with God uh, looks like for me may look a little bit different for you. And so it'll be cool kind of getting to unpack that as a, as a family and seeing um, how God speaks to you and moves in your life. Um, but I, I say all that to say this is a very important first aspect of this whole idea of, of with God, with others, and with the mission is uh, first and foremost that we have to be with God before we step into the next things of with others. And then real quick, I'm going to unpack these last two for you. Um, with others, in our passage, Jesus commands his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you. So this implies Christian community. How can you teach other Christians the ways of Christ if you're not in gospel-centered community with them, right? Um, It's kind of hard to do. And also the idea that we could exist as Christians apart from the body of Christ is kind of silly. I mean, I know you guys are here, so you believe in being a part of the church, but there are many people who think that you can live in a relationship with Christ while being separate from his body. Which is like, when you put it that way, it doesn't really make sense. How can you be in relationship with someone and not be around them? And yet the way that we're commonly around God is when we're around his people because we are the body of Christ. And so um, we are called to be in Christian community with each other. We're called to uh, be in deep friendships with one another where we are loved and cared for and uh, known and counseled and prayed for and challenged by others. Um, In fact, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. You were created to live in loving, kind, self-giving community with other believers. Um, The idea that you could live separate from, as a Christian, live separate from Christian community is the idea that as a human being you could live without oxygen. It's just not true. You you have to live in Christian community in order to uh, be connected to God and to grow in your relationship with Him. And I think we collectively may understand that and we're a part of the church, but yet at the same time we seek to live in separation from really being known. Um, That we're content with showing up and shaking hands and giving high fives, but we're not truly known. We're not truly cared for. And that's not what we're called into. What we're called into is something that's so much better. And um, I'm not gonna unpack everything with this because I'm running out of time, but I just wanna say uh, we are called to be in community with one another, and we're gonna emphasize this over the next year. Uh, We're going to be exploring this 
um, specifically through our groups ministries. So we have our Sunday school groups that meet on Sunday morning before the service, uh, 9.45 in case you're wondering. And then uh, we also have some men's and women's group that meet during the week. And so we're going to emphasize those. And we're also going to be relaunching our discipleship groups. Yay! So we're relaunching our discipleship groups. We started those in February of 2020, which as you can guess was a terrible time to start a new ministry in the church. Um, because February 2020, we got it through about maybe two meetings of all the D groups is what we call them, um, discipleship groups. We got through about two meetings of everyone and then COVID hit and pretty much all of them fizzled out, except for we have one that's still meeting today. They've powered through. Um, thank you to those guys. But, um, but we're going to emphasize our D groups with you. And the big thing is this, uh, we're wanting to focus in the coming year and moving forward less on creating more Bible studies. That's not what the D groups are meant to be. And that's really truly, uh, even our Sunday school classes, we study the Bible together and it's important. And we, we care about studying scripture here. Um, but we're wanting to create less of more Bible studies for you to attend and instead create more groups where you can be in rich, loving community. And that will involve studying the Bible together, but um, we hope that it's going to look just a little bit different. Because our goal is for you to be in loving, caring, um, rich community with other believers, where uh, when you think of people who legitimately love you and will do anything to see uh, God move in your life and um, victory, God's victory be declared in your life. Um, when you think of anyone who would desire that for you, you think of people in your own church. That's what we want. And so we're going to be emphasizing spending time together outside of these four walls, um, spending time together out off of this property um, that as a Sunday school class, you get together for a Super Bowl party or you know, a spring barbecue, or you just do things where you live life together. That's our hope. And as far as the D groups go, um, in launching them, we're going to be launching them, like I said, next month in February. And they fizzled out last year, but D groups are, or two years ago, D groups are really simple if you don't know about them. They're a group of three men or three women who meet together regularly to encourage one another in Christ. That's it. So they're a group of people who are committed to being friends with each other or growing in friendship with each other and, and intentionally investing in each other's spiritual formation. It's not another Bible study necessarily. It's not an accountability group necessarily. It's not anything in particular necessarily. What it is is a group of people that are seeking to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. That's it. And so um, each group is going to look a little bit differently because you're all in different places. And um, you have the ability to kind of groom and shape your group into what it needs to be. Uh, but more to come on that in the future. But we're going to be uh, pushing those more and more. And uh, I hope that you will consider being a part of a D group and joining a Sunday school class if you're not a part of one already. And then the last bit here is, uh, and I say it's truly the last bit because uh, we cannot live with a mission if we're not living with God and with his people. If, if you live on mission without living with God and with his people, then you're not living on God's mission because <laughs> um, that's what it's founded in. And so our passage is often referred to as the Great Commission because it contains one of the most clear passages where Jesus communicates his nature, uh, the nature of his mission for um, the church. That's us. 
and that is to use his people to reach the world, spread his love and grace to those who haven't received it, and that's by going and making disciples and teaching them all that Christ has commanded. We summed this up in the mission statement with to live, uh, uh, we summed it up with live with a mission to reach the world for Christ. That's what we said, live with a mission to reach the world for Christ. And as a church, uh, real quick, I just think we're really, really good about uh, an aspect of living um, with a mission. And uh, that is, we are really, really good about giving to mission. And I just want to stop and thank you real quick. Um, I think our church is amazing about giving to missional work around the world. As a church, we give over 20% of the money that's given to the church is given back out to organizations that either plant churches or um, send missionaries around the world, or we directly sponsor missionaries around the world. We sponsor a missionary in Toronto, Canada. We sponsor a missionary in Morelos, Mexico, and one in the Philippines. And then, like I said, we sponsor organizations, bigger organizations that send missionaries all over the world or plant churches in North America and all over the world. And we give incredibly to that, sacrificially to that. For instance, as a church, our goal during Lottie Moon for international missions uh, offering, I believe was $4,000. Is that what our goal was? 6,000. And we gave over 8,000. So we we give so much more and more abundantly um, than we even expect as pastors. I I just, I thank you for that so much because um, it, it just shows your heart and that you care about the mission of Christ being carried around the world. Um, My only issue is that Jesus commands all of us to go and make disciples and to teach them, not just to pay other people to do it. We're all called to be missionaries and ministers. And when I say missionary, I don't mean that you need to sell everything you have and move to Zimbabwe. Um, I I don't mean that. Uh, What I mean by that is that And we're all called to be missionaries in the fact that you are called to live on mission where you already are. Um, You're called to be someone who carries the gospel message where you already are. And and my my thing is like, just think about how different our city and our world and your workplace and all of that would be if we were committed to being people who are that way. If we were committing to committed to looking like Jesus in our workplace. Um, A question I have is. If Jesus worked in your workplace, how differently might he interact with the people you work with? I have a quick video uh, that I want to show you, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, if you'll roll What if video. Jesus cut your hair? Strange thought, right? But the Bible says we're to imitate Christ. So do people see Christ in you at your workplace? They do at Sam's. The barbershop here is my mission field. Being a barber, you get to cut people's hair every three weeks or so. So if we can build relationship with people, then they're going to see Jesus in us as he is revealed through whatever we're doing. And I could see Christ revealed in Sam, even as he took a call from a client. Just today, a man called up, he wanted to make an appointment. We didn't actually have any room, but I immediately heard God say, take on this appointment because he needs prayer. And then as soon as he sat in the chair, he immediately said that his brother had cancer. And then I was able to pray about it. Thank you, Father, Lord, that every single disease will drop off his body right now in Jesus' name. Too often, as Christians, we see our workplace as a burden instead of a mission. What if at your workplace is a mission field and you just don't even realise that it's right there? Think about how Jesus would be in that workplace.
It's more than just your actual work. It's about influencing people's lives and showing them the heart of God. I love that video. Um, I saw it a few years ago, and I've been waiting for the right opportunity to show it. Um, because God has called you to be a missionary, but he hasn't necessarily called you to move or leave or go anywhere that you aren't already going. And um, so as a church, uh, we want to focus this next year on living missionally. But living missionally means living your normal life and interacting with the normal people you interact with, um, but doing so with intentionality, doing so with the desire to see, uh, for people to see Christ for who he really is, uh, whether that be at the you know, little league ball fields, whether that be at your workplace, whether that be at the restaurants you frequent, uh, wherever that might be, um, God's calling you to be a beacon of life and hope uh, wherever you are. And I think if we are uh, attempting to do that this year as we live with God and with others, then uh, we'll see our church begin to reach our community in a new way. Um, so, let me conclude this. I know there was a lot there, um, but it's just a, an attempt to unpack some of what we're going to talk about a lot uh, over the next year and beyond. But let me conclude by saying you should have hopefully received a blue piece of paper when you came in. And so we're going to conclude things a little differently than normal. Um, if you have that with you, I, what I would love for you to do is just take it and fill the information out and check off the parts that you would want to be a part of. Um, and so this, these are some of the things that we're going to be getting planned to get going in the next year. And so you might see stuff on there about D groups. Uh, you might see stuff on there about a theology class, um, different things like that. And so we are wanting to launch some different things in this, this year as a church um, to help us move forward and step into a new health as a church, because like I said at the beginning, I feel like we've been a bit stagnant over the last two years. And so um, some of you are looking around and you're like, I didn't get one of those, and that is okay. There's some in the foyer area and on your way out, if you just, uh, on your way out, if you will just grab one and fill it out and then drop it in our offering buckets on your way out. Can you do that for me? Some of you are asleep, that's okay. Um, please do so, and, and uh, Trey's got some at the back. He'll hand them to you on your way out. But uh, what I want us to do is to fill that out and drop it in the buckets on your way out. But what I want us to do right now is to, this is a perfect exercise. I love this. I want us to stop. We've gone a little bit past time. And some of us are thinking, I've got stuff to get to. There's football on TV or whatever. And... I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to stop all of the other junk in life and to be with God. Because it's so hard for us to put aside all the other rubbish and just be with God and with his people. And so Bruce is going to come back up and he's going to lead us in some worship. And what I want us to do is to respond by not thinking about the other things. Not, not, uh, not doing anything else, but just pausing, being with God as we worship God together. To, to think about what we're singing, to really uh, soak this in because he's with us 
He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He is with us always to the very end of the age. And yet we can so often get caught in other things that we fail to realize that we're not living with him. And so can you stand? I'll, I'll be, stand up. I'll pray for us, but uh, I'll be here, down here at the front. If you want, if you have any questions about anything I said, or if you want me to pray with you, I'd love to do so. But um, as a collective, let's just take a deep breath, pause, and really try in this moment, in this song, to be with God as we sing together. Let me pray for us. Father, um, may this moment be a moment that signifies the next year for us, uh, that we are people that are with you, um, that we set aside all other pretense, we set aside all other things, and that we, uh, we simply are ones who know you and are with you and live life with you. And so, Father, um, I ask that you bless our church moving forward as we unpack the idea of being with you, with each other, and with a mission over the next year. And as we um, are gonna shift and change and do some unique things to this church, Lord, I, I, just, I just ask that you move in and among us. Um, but most of all, Lord, uh, we know that there's no healing that is found apart from you. And as I mentioned earlier, we have collectively suffered over the last two years, our church has. And we know that there's no healing for this church and there's no step forward apart from being with you. So help us learn that in the next year, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.